The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Americans are feeling the impact of 40-year high inflation. Meanwhile, headed into Thanksgiving, the American Farm Bureau Federation says this year's feast will cost 20 percent more than last year. Turkey prices are up 21 percent year over year, uh, causing more shoppers to uh, look to chicken this year instead of turkey. Well, there you have it. Happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate you joining us here at the Trumpet Daily Program. We appreciate your loyalty. And I'd like to make a suggestion that you tell your friends about this program. We'd love to see our audience grow. We'd like to uh, reach more people. So that that can uh, be accomplished through word of mouth. My name is Andrew Loker. I'm your guest host today, subbing in for Mr. Stephen Flurry. Thanksgiving really can be a, a wonderful time of year, a tremendous break for us in many ways. It's pretty atypical for Americans to uh, separate themselves from the, the busy day, the busy week, and thank God and spend time with family. And maybe not all families across the United States are doing that. Hopefully, most are. It is, uh, I think, very common for people to forget to thank God on this day. There's a lot of other things going on. This year is a little bit more complicated for us uh, because it's more difficult to afford a proper Thanksgiving meal. Joel Hilliker, the Trumpet Hour host, uh, was mentioning to me that he heard a story, um, and I, I didn't get the story, I'm sorry about that, but a story that the cost for hosting a meal at your own house is getting to be pretty close to what you'd pay at a restaurant for a meal like that. It shouldn't be that way, but the, just the raw cost for food and, and producing a meal, uh, they're just extraordinary. We'll, we'll come back to a clip here in just a moment, too, that it's not just the cost of the food. It's the travel, it's the hotels if you're staying in a hotel. A lot of factors are complicating Thanksgiving this year. It is good to take a break from the very depressing world uh, that, that you know, we, we focus on so often. We can't really help but to see all the problems. Again, I encourage you to take time to give thanks. As we reflect on the, the year for the Philadelphia Church of God, they, uh, we sponsor the Trumpet Daily Program. It's been a fantastic year. I think we measure the, the blessings or the, the benefits uh, in the PCG mostly by the amount of uh, literature that we have, the programs we produce, uh, the revelation that God does share with the church. We're very thankful to have that, and we encourage you to get those materials, to study those materials. It's been a great year financially for us. We've also, as you've heard lately, uh, really ramped up our efforts in Jerusalem. So that, too, is exciting for us. It's, it's just never been such an exciting time to be part of this work. With uh, I see America under attack here. Uh, just reminds me of the, the prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. We're excited to see those happen in the news as well. There's a lot to watch for in the end-time nations of Israel, in Europe, in Jerusalem. The work is refreshing, but as prophecy often is for us in the Bible, there are some very difficult, challenging times. Because of human nature, because of sin, God can project forward 
what the repercussions are going to be like in our lives if we, if we live that way. God obviously would prefer to bless us, to give us occasion to give thanks. But if we continue to live as we've been living, we are going to suffer some really serious consequences. I would like to encourage you also to request one of our booklets, The Wonderful World Tomorrow. Uh, that thought just came to me as I was uh, putting the final touches on these notes. It's a great book to read around this time of year, really any time of the year. If you want to look forward to better times that God promises are coming, there couldn't be a more inspiring study, I think, than going through that book. The opening clip that we listened to was from Maria Bartiromo's uh, program on Fox Television. And her guest uh, that, that you'll see here in just a moment, he was talking about the increase in the price of turkey, the highest price per pound for turkey ever uh, for Thanksgiving. That, too, is complicated by another curse. The avian flu uh, actually led to the, the destruction of over 5 million turkeys uh, in the United States. And those came off the market at a cost to the farmers, uh, but also it diminished some of the supply. It increased the cost for the consumers. There is just a lot of factors in this very complicated and what I like to consider a satanic economy. Uh, we're just finding that you can't do anything right there are just so many problems. I, I, I found this statement. This is from the National Farmers Union, and I really couldn't believe it. And I, I, I've read it a number of times. I've quoted it to a few people. Uh, they, they had this report, and they basically are talking about the farmer's share, the farmer's portion of sales price that he actually takes back as profit. So Turkey right now, the, I guess the average retail price is $1.99 per pound. And according to this uh, report by the National Farmers Union, the farmer's share is only nine, I'm sorry, six, six cents per pound. They say to feed a, a gathering of 10 people, most people use say like a 15 pound turkey. So at these prices, it's about $33 if you include tax for the consumer to buy a 15 pound turkey. $33 spent, and the farmer who raised that, that turkey will profit 90 cents. 90 cents. Just a, a horribly low percentage. They talk about sweet corn. Uh, it's not nearly as bad. I think turkey's probably the worst. Actually, no, uh, stuffing prices, but that's not exactly as nutritious as a turkey. Uh, but anyway, you can look at potatoes, apple pie, filling, all of these these foodstuffs that make up part of a Thanksgiving meal, the farmer's portion, the farmer's profit from that year-long effort is fractional compared to the overall cost. This report said that even though consumers are paying more for food this year, almost none of that increase is being passed on to the American family farmer and rancher. Multiple waves of mergers and acquisitions during the last several decades resulted in agricultural or sorry, agriculture and food supply chains that are not only uncompetitive and fragile, but also underpay farmers. This move to commercialization, making everything huge, using more technology, less human effort. In some ways, there, there can be some benefit to that if it's controlled and done properly. But often what we're finding now is the advancements of technology, of industrialization, have actually made it much more difficult for human workers it's leading to a system 
that appeals to, say, communism or socialism. And, of course, those flawed systems of leadership, of governing, uh, those are not going to solve problems. The, the commercialization, the technology has basically built this satanic economic system that's upside down. It's driving this nation toward destruction. Now, I think what's interesting is the blessings were so magnificent, are so multi, uh, multitudinous, so huge, that even in the bad economic times, still most Americans will enjoy a special meal, maybe not as nice as in the past, but there's still so much bounty in this nation that even though we're suffering through some of these horrible curses, there can still be a, a proper meal, an opportunity to give thanks. God has really blessed this nation, but God is in the midst of cursing this nation, as we'll talk about toward the end of today's program. So we're suffering through uh, inflation. Many different countries are, are doing that. In fact, I'd say pretty much the entire world is headed toward recession. I wanted to go back to Maria Bartiromo's program and uh, play another clip for you to show you that it's not just the cost of food that's increasing. Let's go to clip three, please. So we've talked a lot about oil prices, gas buddy report, reporting 20 percent more uh, that Americans are paying than last year. They're planning to hit the road this Thanksgiving, but they're about to see higher gasoline prices. The average gas price projected to hit three dollars, 68 cents a gallon this Thursday. That would be the highest Thanksgiving gas price ever as well. Today, a regular gallon of gas is $3.66. John, tell me about the energy business. You see all of this firsthand in terms of this uh, unwillingness of this administration to tap into our energy resources in this country. Uh, the problem is, Maria, like we've always talked about, uh, the it's self-inflicted punishment on the American people uh, because they're not being friendly to the oil industry in North America, and uh, the price of oil could come right down. And somebody said to me, the guy from Butterball was on television last week on the high turkey prices. Grain. The, the cost of feeding the turkeys, it's no longer chicken feed. Remember the old word? Oh, it's chicken feed. Well, it's the grain prices at the highest they've ever been. And uh, that's part of the, uh, the cost of uh, increase for, in turkeys and in chicken. You just go through the problems and you start to analyze all of the different factors that contribute to these higher prices. And, and there's, there's a number of them. But what you also find is you have Larry Kudlow or, or different economists that come online and talk about the instant relief if we would tap into some of the resources that God has blessed this nation with, uh, in particular the, the oil industry. We could turn a lot of things around for people. And, and yet what we're finding is the most expensive food ever, the most expensive gasoline ever for Thanksgiving, the animal feed prices are at their highest levels ever. Everywhere you look, it's just the highest levels ever. Now, it seems to have planed off a little bit, which is reassuring. And if you're not careful and if you listen to the, the so-called president of the United States, he'll make these, these great proclamations about all the, the steps forward and the recovery that's taking place. And if you just do a little digging, you realize how deceptive how deceptive those statements are. This nation is suffering. And we do have to ask, is there any relief on the horizon? Larry Kudlow, he said this, next year looks like an even deeper downturn in the economy. 
you see the prices are rising. There's transportation issues and uh, uh, supply chain uh, complications that still persist that are dragging this economy down. So many other problems. Real wages are not keeping pace with inflation. I'll talk about unemployment here in just a moment. Um, in fact, I'll just I'll hit that now. This is from uh, the Motley Fool, November 20th. And basically, it's an article addressing the, the prospect of a coming wave of layoffs and unemployment. We're seeing that in the tech sector, of course, as some of those industries are just really failing. They're hemorrhaging billions of dollars. They're having to adjust their staffs. And, and it's not going to stop with the technology industry. From Motley Fool, November 20th, 2022, the, the title of their article is Expert Predictions, Will I Lose My Job in 2023? Their, their little uh, uh, quip here at the top says, if the economy slows, companies might slow their hiring or lay people off. Then some of their key points from the article, the Federal Reserve admitted that 1.3 million jobs could be lost next year. This article says the questions of whether people will lose their jobs and whether it will enter a recession are closely correlated. It says, on the one hand, the job market has remained relatively strong in recent months. On the other, on the other hand, warnings of a 2023 recession, which could result in job losses, have been coming thick and fast. And how true that is, there's more and more in the press about this coming wave of layoffs, of increasing unemployment. <clears throat> They say, however, some of the fear that if the Fed's rate hikes uh, trigger a serious recession, the, the cure will be worse than the disease. Their words, but you've heard that statement a number of times on this, this program. We, we are experiencing these horrible problems. And so our solutions, our cure that we employ actually ends up being worse than the disease. Think of COVID, obviously, but apply this to the economy. Apply this to the actions of the Fed. Apply this to the, the so-called president's decision to not exploit the natural resources that are available. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is a lot of bad action that's leading to worse problems. This article says, uh, in some respects, we're now in uncharted waters. Not, <clears throat> excuse me. Not only does this make it hard to know how likely a recession really is, it's also unclear how long or how severe it could be. The deeper the recession, the more likely we are to see job losses. So then they give a couple expert predictions. The Bank of America says the U.S. could lose 175,000 jobs a month. Uh, the Federal Reserve, again, said uh, 1.3 million people losing their jobs potentially that that would re raise the the unemployment rate to 4.4 percent by the end of 2023 toward the end here at least toward what i want to, to quote he said he thinks that companies will start to lay people off and slow their hiring if sales decline which he says is likely this is a, a gentleman speaking in the goldman sachs newsletter uh, he said it was almost impossible to curb inflation without triggering a recession some observers seem to be hoping for an immaculate conception outcome in which job openings decrease and unemployment doesn't increase. But I see zero possibility of that outcome. So here you have an expert that, that is looking at the employment practices, is looking at the, the future, 
there's a lot hanging on retail sales uh, at the end of this year uh, during the, the, the Christmas season. Uh, I saw a story the other day that the toy manufacturers are, are making smaller, cheaper toys because they know families can't afford some of the more extravagant purchases. And so they're, they're bracing themselves for a terrible, terrible uh, season of sales. These experts try to give hope. They're obviously trying to find answers. But you do have to wonder if they're really being honest. And I think they're just trying to be hopeful because it looks so bleak, so bleak indeed. And I think what, what makes this even worse is you look at the, the election cycle that we just had for midterms, and you look at the response of uh, Joe Biden, who's truly unrepentant for creating the, the economic mess, the national mess, the social mess, absolutely refusing to change course, even though America, if you listen to truly what the Americans spoke and not so much subscribe to false media, but if you just look at people, if you talk to people, they see we need change. People are concerned about their jobs. They're concerned about meeting just the, the, the basic demands of living. Times have changed radically. <clears throat> I'd like to play another clip here, carrying on with uh, Maria's uh, show. Clip four, please. What's your take on whether or not inflation has peaked? Well, inflation, I believe, has peaked. The price of oil okay. has peaked. And okay. uh, the price of food is still re being reflected from the course they've experienced in the past six months. So there's a lagging affair. What's going to cause the country a problem is if they continue to raise interest rates, they have destroyed the real estate market. Construction markets are way down. And uh, who do you know, Maria, is going to buy a new house and pay 7% uh, interest on a 30-year mortgage? If you listen closely to that clip, when he's talking about things kind of settling out, she was trying to interrupt. I don't think she agrees with him. It doesn't really look all that rosy. And as he points out, and as if, if you just step back and look at our economy, there are a number of sectors that are in trouble. Not just technology, not even just the, the media, construction, new home builds, old, old, old home sales. All of these, these industries, these sectors are showing massive fractures that could lead to some really, really difficult problems. It's the end of the American dream in many ways. Interest rates are increasing for individuals, of course. Uh, it doesn't stop with individuals. Interest rates are, are increasing for businesses. It's going to slow growth and demand, which the, the Fed is trying to do in, in a number of different ways. And yet, you know this is going to trickle down. All of the sectors are going to, to feel this, this you know, knee-jerk reaction that just continues at really a, a pretty aggressive pace. The Fed is on an aggressive pace. They have to. But the, the cure is going to be worse, much worse than the affliction. Think about this bombshell. This, this is truly stunning. The, the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, released a report here not too long ago. I think it was about a week ago. And they said that due to politics, the United States will import more food than we export for the first time in history. They anticipate that happening next year. Here we, we, we fed the world. And now we're going to import more food than we export. The reason for that is the economic situation that we brought on ourselves, as you heard in earlier clips. The, the cost of farming has increased substantially due to the cost of fuel. 
fertilizer. And states now are requiring uh, increases uh, on, on uh, just some of the, the, the programs that they, the incentives they've offered that they're taking off or different regulatory uh, actions on labor. There, it, it's a complicated situation, and there's no way I, I can simplify it. I don't understand it uh, perfectly well myself. But what, what I do understand is that we do have the capacity to farm. We do have the capacity to feed the world. We do have the capacity to take advantage of the natural resources that, that we have as a nation. But we're not doing it. We're choosing not to do it. It's a purposeful choice. We've squandered, squandered the blessings that God has heaped upon us that, were, that would refresh themselves. But we've taken advantage of things. We've spent money we don't have. We've lived way beyond our means. We've lost touch with, with just God's simple form of economics. You don't see too many small farmers these days. You see big commercial farms, big me mechanisms used to reap crops. All of this supposed growth, and now we're importing more food than we're exporting. The, the agriculture is suffering through kind of just a, a deadly storm of fuel prices and fertilizer prices. People aren't able to afford the crops that they're raising. And then you throw in all of the, the weather changes, curses. This is a time of great trouble. A 20th century Nobel laureate, Milton Friedman, famously said, inflation is the cruelest tax. It really is. He was an American economist. Inflation hurts all of us. It hurts all sectors. It, it wreaks havoc on our economy. Now, we have study materials that will help you individually. This nation is suffering a curse. But as you often hear from us, we do have materials that we'd, be, we'd love to send to you that will help you do a, a great job, that will help you weather some of these storms, these curses. And in fact, you can actually be blessed by God. One of our, our booklets that we offer is entitled Solve Your Money Troubles. Solve Your Money Troubles. In that book, uh, the, I think it's one of the, the final chapters, uh, it's entitled Finding Joy During a Recession. Maybe it's just uh, one of the subheads. But, but in that, that section about finding joy in a time of recession, how timely, because that's where we are. They say, or the booklet says, this materialistic culture is destroying families across the country and around the world. Right? Materialism, covetousness, lusting for things. It's destroying families. It's not just a little problem. Families grow larger and larger and become nations. This nation is being consumed by a materialistic culture. Further down, it says hyper-consumerism creates a notion of self-pleasure seekers and loners. Add up all these factors, including more stress, overwork, social isolation, and one begins to see why fatter paychecks have not brought more happiness. But there is a way to combat this. Researchers say that regularly giving thanks and vocalizing the blessings you do have is another big key to happiness. And then we quote Ephesians 5, verse 20, which tells us to, to give thanks always to the Father through Jesus Christ. Be thankful. Be grateful. Take a, a moment. Have a thanksgiving moment frequently in our lives. 
recognizing everything that God gives us does lead to happiness. But sadly, happiness is a fading commodity. I'd like to quote to you some just some really awful statistics, just very briefly. These come from the, the National Institute of Mental Health. They're talking about major depression. They, they give a definition of it. They say it's one of the most common mental disorders in the United States. It says this past year, prevalence data presented uh, in this uh, major depressive episode are from 2020. So this is COVID time, lockdown time. Things haven't really gotten any better, have they? So I would presume that these stats have only gotten worse. They say an estimated 21 million American adults had at least one major uh, depressive episode uh, in, in the year 2020. This major, or sorry, this number represented 8.4% of all U.S. adults, 8.5% of the, the country experienced this, this depressive episode, which caused them, I think it has to last longer than two weeks. It interferes with work, with your, your general uh, approach to life, your eating, 8.5% suffered. They say the prevalence of adults with major depressive episode was highest among individuals aged 18 to 25. So 17% of all of those that, that were suffering, these adults that were suffering major depressive episodes, were happening to young people. People that should be you know, out dating and experiencing new careers, traveling, generally speaking, probably in decent health. And yet they are suffering major depression. One, one final uh, stat here from this report. It says an estimated 4.1 million adolescents aged 12 to 17 in the United States had at least one major depressive episode. This number represented 17% of the U.S. population aged 12 to 17. So here you have this, this sophisticated report with very definite measuring points, and, and it's just awful. 12 to 17-year-olds, 18 to 25-year-olds. Again, people at a prime time in their life are depressed. Depressed so much that it affects the way that they work, that they interact with other people. We should be happy. We have so many blessings. There is a, a real problem on the horizon if the, the prices are going up and our wages aren't going up, how do, you, how do you balance that out? How do you reach equilibrium? Well, consumers are coping with inflation by turning to their credit cards. I'd like to just play another clip on this. Clip six, please. Remember that all this spending is going to need to be financed. And we've seen credit card debt skyrocket uh, and certainly not keeping pace with wage inflation at all. Um, and real income at all. And so therefore, there is going to be a reckoning of this credit card debt at some point. And I think it'll start to stare people uh, straight when losing jobs becomes a reality. Although we've started to see uh, a bunch of cuts, uh, it's mostly been around technology companies. I think we'll see them in earnest around all industries going into 2023. So confluence of problems, right? Inflation's a high you have mental disorder because people are just struggling to cope with this world. And so they're turning to credit. And credit can only carry you so far. They're starting to see more delinquent payments. It could lead to more defaults. And then if you lose your job and you're saddled with credit and high prices, you can see that the catastrophe that's building 
We are a nation that lives on credit. What happens if the, the banks are faced with all kinds of defaults? Are, is there another government bailout to keep the banks afloat? We are facing some serious problems. This is from Fox uh, Business, their website. Uh, it's a, a report from November 15th. The title of the article is Credit Card Balances See Largest Annual Jump in More Than 20 Years. You'd expect this. It says Americans feeling the squeeze from months of persistently high inflation are increasingly leaning on credit cards, according to new data, showing balances surged year over year in the third quarter by the highest percentage in over two decades. So the, as this article kind of pointed out with some of the COVID relief, people got into the habit of using their credit cards, but there were bailouts that came. People kind of managed, and, and so things remained somewhat in equilibrium. But now what they're seeing, the, the third quarter compared to the previous, is a massive increase, uh, a high increase that they haven't seen in two decades. It says the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's quarterly report on household debt and credit released on Thursday, shows credit card balances jumped 15% from the third quarter of 2021, representing an increase not seen in more than 20 years. They say TransUnion's quarterly credit industry insight uh, report earlier this month showed bank card balances hit a record $866 billion during the third quarter. Balances on credit cards held by consumers getting close to a trillion dollars. $866 $866 billion of money spent that isn't necessarily in the accounts of people to repay the banks or the creditors whom they borrowed it from. This article uh, says, uh, notably, credit card balances have grown at nearly double the rate of inflation since last year. The real test, of course, will be to follow whether these borrowers will be able to continue to make payments on their credit cards. And I think you can estimate as well as I can, it's not likely that people are going to somehow find the money to pay those back when costs continue to increase that necessitate using credit. Credit. You can see the problems are just compounding. It says the New York Fed's report indicated total household debt rose by $351 billion in the third quarter to $16.5 trillion. Household debt in the United States, close to $16.5 trillion. They talk about auto loans. You can go on and on. It's just, again, very, very difficult, very depressing. These are unsettling problems. But quite honestly, they're not surprising. You just know from common sense you can't outlive your income. You can for a short while, I guess, on credit. But at some point, those collectors are going to come. Well, I want to take a short break now. When we come back, I just want to look at a few other areas of trouble that this nation is facing. The Trumpet Daily. One may blind his eyes to existing facts and trends and say the world cannot get any worse than it already is. Or if we just ignore the conditions and don't worry, perhaps they'll go away. But these conditions and trends won't just go away. Not unless they are caused to go away. The scriptures of the Holy Bible, the inspired revelation of the Supreme God, have foretold today's world conditions and trends and give us the advanced news of coming peace on earth, of universal prosperity, of happiness and joy, 
of veritable utopia. This is the good news of the world tomorrow, and it is absolutely sure. This coming world is vividly described in our booklet, The Wonderful World Tomorrow, what it will be like. Bible prophecy explains in detail how God will intervene to save mankind from destroying himself. Jesus Christ will return to earth, putting an end to the rule of man and restore God's government on earth. To learn much more about this prophesied utopia, please visit thetrumpet.com. Trumpet Daily. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, I didn't really want this program to be so depressing. Uh, it is a day that we are to give thanks, and yet it's also a, a day to maybe take into account our lives and and look at what we're suffering through. Um, in some ways, I find this this next piece uh, kind of humorous, and in other ways, I find it insulting because it sounds like there could be a repeat of some of the the awful, awful COVID mandates. Clip eight, please. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. The vaccines will get us to the end of this. If the unvaccinated get vaccinated, they will protect themselves and other unvaccinated people around them. And sadly, a proportion of the elderly and vulnerable may still succumb even if they have had two jabs. Literally, the only people dying are the unvaccinated. We're saying try and save your life and that of your family and that of the community. This is a pandemic, really, of the unvaccinated. It's just obvious. If the unvaccinated are not to blame, who is? Fortunate that the vaccinated people are paying a price for the actions of the unvaccinated. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. A, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. About It is, as we've said, a pandemic and an outbreak of the unvaccinated. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. It's going to be vaccines that are going to solve this problem, Wolf. Why I, I'm vaccinated, but I also have COVID. Three vaccinated people got COVID in my house. The bottom line is we were still able to get it and transmit it. And the government but hasn't what? been warning about that. Oh, yes, I am. We have. But the CDC doesn't even track the breakthrough infections. We're going to continue protecting the vaccinated. Getting jabbed, not just for themselves, for ourselves, but for friends and family and everyone we meet. And that, after all, is the teaching of Jesus Christ. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death. For yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. Do you remember all of those proclamations, all of that fake news, tying it into religion, telling us how the Bible would advocate for vaccinations, vaccinations that didn't work? Now there's a $10 billion request by so-called President Joe Biden to, to fight COVID. He just made that request. 
the the Department of Health and Human Services is asking for money to uh, uh, for vaccine promotion as a preventive measure for long COVID. So do the vaccines protect from getting it? Do the, the unvaccinated pose this risk? It's just more push for more vaccines. And now they're talking about long COVID, right? They've lost the steam, the energy for COVID. Mr. Stephen Flurry talked about some of this. It's just infuriating. If we return to mask mandates, uh, more pressure for jabs, uh, it's, it's just unthinkable knowing that all of that has been proven ineffective, ineffective indeed. Well, President Biden is also dealing with uh, railroad contracts that are falling through. Uh, I think it's something to pay attention to, but I think most economists are predicting that, that the so-called president, his administration is gonna broker some kind of deal that, that satisfies all of the union's demands. I don't know all the particulars. I don't know if there, uh, I'm sure there's inequalities on, on both sides, but the, the long and the short of it is, it's gonna cost more money to, to pay the railroad employees. They don't have a choice, they have to, because we rely so much on railroad transportation. But at the end of the day, that's just another cost that's going to roll down to the consumer. The, the weather upsets, uh, the drought, prolonged drought throughout the United States has largely dried up the Mississippi. It's making it more difficult for barge traffic to, uh, to move some of the produce, the, the crops that have been harvested out to the market. This, uh, the Journal of Commerce said one standard 15 barge river tow has the same capacity as 1,050 trucks and 216 rail cars pulled by six locomotives. The point is there's a problem with diesel fuel perhaps. There's definitely a shortage of truck drivers. We have trouble with rail. We can't really use the, the Mississippi as efficiently as we've used in the past because there's no water in it. Here we are faced with curse after curse after curse. And the Biden administration will just try to throw more money at it, money that we don't have, and it's going to worsen our problems. There's a lot to pay attention to. I, we've talked a little bit about credit card debt and increasing costs on the consumer. I wanted to also talk about the fact that those uh, rate increases by the Fed also impact the federal government and the, the, the way we pay back on our debt. I, I want to uh, first read to you a deceptive tweet from the White House that was uh, issued on November 21st, 2022. It says the Biden-Harris administration lowered the deficit with the single largest one-year reduction in American history. That was their tweet. And their tweet, as is becoming more common, was challenged by community notes. I don't exactly know uh, exactly how those work. Twitter doesn't uh, write those community notes. But basically, it's honest people uh, presenting more of the facts. They're, they might be telling part of the truth that there was this large reduction. But listen to this. President Biden's communication team attempted to exaggerate the administration's record on lowering the deficit on Twitter and was handed another community note that provided missing context for the White House's claim. Quote, the Biden-Harris administration lowered the deficit. Okay, I read that. Says readers added important details the White House left out, noting that deficit spending ramped up during COVID-19 pandemic between fiscal years 20, uh, 2020 and 2021. 
It says COVID-driven deficits in both uh, fiscal years 2020 and 2021 were roughly double the previous record from 2009, making the drop to uh, fiscal year 22 sizable, uh, the community notes. It says, but fiscal year 22 deficit is still the fourth largest in history and is 41% larger than fiscal year 19 or fiscal year 2019, Twitter users pointed out. So if you just look at a chart and you look, I'm looking at one here that goes back to 2000, from 2000 to 2022, all of the deficits, 2022, which the Biden administration is touting as this great accomplishment, fourth worst in the last 22 years. And, and the, the third worst was, uh, let's see, that was 2010, I think. But then the, the, the second worst was 2021, uh, and the worst was 2020. <laughs> so he doesn't exactly have a great economic uh, record there. So that's what they put out. Now, this article is from the, the Peterson Foundation, and this is important. They, this is from November 2nd, 2022. They say higher interest rates will raise interest costs on the national debt. They, they reference the Federal Reserve's last uh, 75 basis points increase. They said the increase in that rate, which is the interest rate at which commercial banks lend to one another overnight, is meant to help tame rising inflation. However, the increase also has implications for the federal government borrowing costs and therefore the nation's fiscal picture. Sorry. This article says uh, interest rates on the U.S. Treasury securities rise. So too will the federal government's borrowing costs. In late May, the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, projected that annual net interest costs would total $399 billion in 2022 and nearly triple over the upcoming decade, soaring from $442 billion to $1.2 trillion and summing to $8.1 trillion over that period. The interest payments on our debt will cross the $1 trillion a year amount. amount. It's horrendous. Says the, the growth in interest costs present a significant challenge in long term as well. According to the CBO's projections, interest payments would total around $66 trillion over the next 30 years and would make up nearly 40% of all federal revenues by 2052. <laughs> Almost half of our tax income would just go to satisfied interest payments, not reducing the debt, but just paying interest on that the amount that we've overspent. They said interest costs would also become the largest program over the next few decades, surpassing defense spending in 2029. That's seven years from now. Just seven years from now, at this rate, we'll be spending more money paying interest on our borrowed money than we will on national defense. And our national defense spending is, is outrageous compared to anybody else in the world. In fact, I've got a, a story here from Microsoft News uh, 1121. They say, when it comes to defense spending, the United States is in a league of its own. Earlier this year, the House of Representatives authorized $840 billion in defense expenditures for 2023, raising President Joe Biden's proposed military budget by $37 billion. He requested an amount it wasn't enough spend. So Congress added $37 billion more 
to what we expect to spend on the military budget in 2023. Talked about the, the Navy, uh, it's going to get two new submarines and two new guided missile destroyers. But you know what? The, the cost of those advanced weapons of war, those very sophisticated naval vessels, those four together will be less expensive than the, the, the billions we've sent to Ukraine. We've sent them $19.3 billion in military aid. The New York Times reported back in May that $45 billion of total aid has been pledged to Ukraine. We're spending money we don't have. Our infrastructure is failing. All the different components of the economy are fracturing or failing. And, and there's really no, no hope on the horizon. And, and people see it. This is not exactly related, but it, it, in some ways it is. It's a, a man that's speaking to the election board for Maricopa County there in Arizona about their botched uh, handling of the midterm election. Let's play clip five, please. I come here to represent my grandchildren. Amen. My children and my grandchildren. I don't want them coming to me asking me, Grandpa, what were you doing when this republic was taken down by corruption and fraud? I'm going to ask you a question. What is the motto of our state? Does anyone have an answer? The motto of our state? No question and answer. Detat God and riches. We moved here from Massachusetts, the capital of corruption, to try to get free from that. I don't feel enriched right now. I feel betrayed. I feel discouraged. I feel abandoned by elected officials who can't take up, screw up the courage to stand against whatever the unseen hand is that's offering blandishments and threats to our elected officials across this country. We are ground zero right here. We have had discussions about this. You've taken an oath of office, and, and we, we have been left in the lurch. John Adams said our Constitution was made for a moral people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. We have an immoral governance here in this county, and you are responsible. I'm sorry to say that I'm a Maricopa County resident. I, I think about where could I move? There is no other place. We are, we are, we're like the forces at Dunkirk. We're up against the English Channel. So I want you to, to uh, understand one thing from the Bible. Beware, your sins will find you out. There are going to be some serious investigations. I would suggest that you get ahead of the curve. Turn yourself over to state's evidence. Your time is up, sir. Thank you for joining Thank you, us. and come clean. <clears throat> what, a, what a great statement. A grandfather that's concerned about the history, or sorry, the, the future of this nation, citing historical examples, citing the, the foundation of this country, as we've talked about for years on this program. Just look at, at what happened during the midterms. It's, it, it, it shows you what's happening everywhere else in this nation as it's governed improperly, unfairly, it is, it's an atrocity. And it's not just a political party, it's the sins of this people against God. And, and as that man quoted, he said, your sins will find you out. I think that's in Numbers 32. 
Yeah, they do. And our nation's sins have found us out, and it's caused God to, to abandon ship, to start to curse in the hopes of returning our peoples back to some form of godly obedience. It's that simple. It's not just about a, a different political party, a different economic theory, tapping oil reserves. It's not about changing understanding of genders or, or how we educate our children, how we approach history. All of that needs to change. All of it needs to go away. We have a, a, another book that I would like to recommend to you. It's the United States and Britain in Prophecy. You probably have a copy. Um, I hope you do. I was going to read to you the table of contents. I really don't have time to do that. But it's, it's just a fascinating proof from your Bible of how we got to be this blessed. Why we can have a Thanksgiving celebration today in 2022 amidst all of these troubles and problems that still, compared to most other places in the world, is richly blessed. Those blessings are quickly fading. We, we need to address the sins in our lives, individually, collectively as a nation, and as humanity, and return to God. That's what the, the Thanksgiving proclamations were all about as you study them, hopefully you will, from President Washington and President Lincoln, the things that they said. I'd like to, um, trying to figure out how to, to wrap this up. I, I do wanted to, ju I just wanted to take a moment to thank and, and give you some meditation uh, for your thanks for this nation and, and how we've come to be. Here's just a few facts, some of the heroes in U.S. history. There were 56 delegates to the Continental Congress that signed the Declaration of Independence. During the American Revolutionary War, an estimated 6,800 Americans were killed in action, 6,100 wounded, and upwards of 20,000 were taken prisoner. Since the formation of the Supreme Court in 1790, there have been 17 chief justices and 104 associate justices. We're talking about centuries of history that built this nation, that, that responded to the blessings of God, all of that changing. On September 11th, 2,977 people were killed in the attack. 421 of those were emergency workers in New York City who responded to that terrorist attack. So far this year, 84 firefighters have died. So far this year, 281 police officers have been shot. 55 of them have lost their lives. By the end of World War I, in November 1918, some 24 million men had registered under the Selective Services Act. They, they signed up to go fight evil. I looked at the Department of Veteran Affairs website um, and they estimate over 1.1 million American soldiers have died in combat in the history of our nation. Over a million people dying for the freedoms that we have. They say that the, the veterans and dependents on benefit rolls as of August 2021, there are 5,209,957 individuals that are on the benefits roll of the Veterans Affairs Program. I'd like to thank them for their service for their fight so that we can have a really blessed and wonderful Thanksgiving. 
There's close to 1.3 million soldiers in active duty in the, in the American forces. 46 presidents of the United States, if you count Joe Biden, which you really shouldn't, 45 different presidents. And, and one final stat, there's 3.7 million teachers that work with our children nationwide, educating them. And when you think back on all of those wonderful heroes and you compare them to today's heroes, there are still heroes today in the, the armed services, uh, in the police and fire departments, among the teachers, perhaps, well, <laughs> probably not among politicians. There's still some noble ones, but the, the, the numbers have really changed. We have strayed far from God, and that's exactly what the Bible warned us against. Forgetting God that gave us all these blessings. Somehow thinking that, that we came to all of this on our own. It's vain. It's very typical for a human being to come to that conclusion. It's very difficult to look to our Creator. And so with Thanksgiving here upon us, I encourage you to think of those heroes that helped found this nation. I encourage you to be a hero, to contribute to the betterment of this nation. But most importantly, I encourage you to pay attention to the spiritual message that, that comes from this program and from our literature. If you really engage yourself in drawing closer to God, you will be blessed. It could ripple over into your family. It could ripple over into this country. God has a, a promise to bless obedience, and he has an obligation to punish, to go so far as to curse disobedience. So pursue obedience. Pursue thanks, thankfulness. Have a really, really great Thanksgiving and, and enjoy. Enjoy this time with family, time away from some of the distractions of this world. Thank you for listening to our program. Thank you for supporting the, the Trumpet Daily and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.